This is the Beige and the Bold, and today we are watching We'll Always Have Paris. I'm Van Velding, and I'll always have season one. I'm Derek, and this is my first time having this episode. Yeah, that's good. I'll take it. I demand a Casablanca reference. <laughs> Where are you going? You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to get on that plane. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Yep. In three, two, one, engage. The writer's strike of 1988. Oh, really? Could you imagine? <laughs> you make a TV show. It gets shut down. You make a pilot. You get shut down. Lucille Ball gives you a second chance. You make it. It runs for three years. Almost shut down every, year, every single year. Uh, you make an animated series because why the heck not? Yeah. And then... Because lol. <laughs> you're going to make a new TV show and that doesn't happen. Uh, and then it's a movie and then you get cut out of the entire process. They make three more movies. Most of them are better than the one you made. <laughs> and then you make a new series finally. You get the, the, the headway for that. You get the cachet. Yeah. Uh, you're in your... 90% through the first season, and there's a goddamn writer strike. I didn't know there was a writer strike in there. I only, I only remember, like, the one in the aughts. Yep. Well, there's this one. Uh, no Conan O'Brien with a beard. I mean, maybe he had a beard. He was still doing stand-up. He <laughs> yeah. had an image to maintain. So the, he could schlep it in a couple is, of days. Is this, like, quintessentially French, or is this quintessentially, like, just, like, European, or just high society? Like, what is fencing? Uh, it's a sport. Well, I know that. <laughs> I mean, like, what? what okay. how, does it, how does it fit in our culture? Is what I mean. Pointing like, and goes in the other. It, it feels like it's. Um. <laughs> it feels like it's like in the same box as like lacrosse and like dead poet society. I can see that. I mean, it's 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 more dangerous than usual, so you need more instruction, more individual instruction yeah. than that. Oh, what? That's not really a team sport. Yeah. Um. I mean, it doesn't really embody a lot of American virtues in terms of yeah, cool yeah. and royal. Uh, I just, uh, when I was watching this, points. I thought of yeah. two things. One, the Olympics where that dude kept, like, jagging, jabbing himself in the butt to show that uh, he, he got unfairly scored on or something like that, and that's hilarious. And then the other was that um, I read this article once about, like, a tech company on the West Coast, and two people that worked there, um, one of them was from Stanford and the other one was from Harvard. They both fenced. So they both brought their fencing gear to figure out to say who was better because there was like a point of contention and that was just kind of funny. That sounds like it's interesting. Uh, I, d I do like it's a cheap device. I do like it when someone comes up to the bridge in regular clothes. Yeah, I was. I think only Picard gets that, but still. I was kind of uh, curious about that. Like they kind of look at them like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, I mean, what do you want him to do? Like get get his yeah. proper military bearing before he shows up for an emergency? Like, come on." Yeah, pants and no boners. Those are the only rules <laughs> in an emergency. Riker. Yeah, look at, like, see how they're, like, looking at him kind of funny? I guess she was looking in his direction, not at him. Here, here's the deal. Uh, most of my answers for your questions for this episode are going to be Rider Strike of 1988. Okay. And I find it, this I find this episode so dull, I, I it's impossible for me to engage. Well, so I don't the one know. thing I am going to point you to is that this is a horribly written Troy episode, and that does not appear during the Rider Strike. <laughs> It just seems as if writers are universally unable to like handle emotions in a narrative. They're unable to let Troy do what she does. Yeah. Because if she was in a sitcom, she'd be like, oh, you need to tell her about that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> her abilities and then her alleged training would allow her to defuse almost any dramatic situation. Right. So, um, and because people don't get her, they don't let her solve problems. Right. They can't just be like, look, instead of someone discovering 
the answer to the solution and how to change their behavior naturally through the story, which is how stories work. Right. Um, we're going to let Troy fix it. And yeah. then we're just going to completely eliminate an entire point of contention. It's like, well, Troy kind of exists to fight con- conventional narratives. So they're like, oh, she has to do something. Yeah. Marina Service was taking a lot of episodes by directors and stuff. Because they're like, eh, whoever can get that line, you're fine. See, and, <laughs> hit, and the, that's, hit the craft and, table. And, that, and that's not even, that's frustrating to me. Because it's almost like they said, like, hey, look. Here's something that's like super interesting that wasn't in the original series, like in the the normal um, like narrative of like every episode. Like like yeah, sure we have like emotional people once once or twice, but she's part of the crew, and they have this interesting thing, and they just like just ignore it. Like all of the episodes we've seen so far, uh, we'll save a few, but it's frustrating because. Why did you put her on the bridge? Like she could have just been like some person that every now and again shows up and does an emotional thing and bounces. Like you know, yeah. why did you put her on the bridge if you're not going to let her do a thing? Um, I can answer that. I mean, writer strike of nineteen eighty. No, it's not just writer strike. <laughs> <laughs> they also. I said that would be most yeah, no, of my answers to your question, sir. It's also fair. So uh, you know, it's like if if like when you make a character in a role playing game, and you're like, oh, this character's gonna be so cool, and you play him out, and you're like. Eh, campaign's actually slightly different from what I anticipated. Uh, there's no hooks for my guy. Uh, I kind of created this character into a corner where in order to engage with something, he has to sort of defeat the narrative. All right, so, but then you do something mm. like our good friend Terry did and just, um, you know, double down on that character and let it grow until it becomes something ungodlike and destructive. Well, I think the same people who, who push the Picard button and the Brent Spiner button... Uh-huh for all this kind of stuff aren't the sort of people who say we're going to play against our strengths in order to evenly develop the team that we've got yeah and that's what's sad is because to me an artist you have to be unflinching about the things that you're you're afraid of and if you don't write emotional scenes well guess what you should be doing Um, yeah i mean that's that's true what is this towel Um, slap it's so kind of weird i know he's just like playing with things in his hand but it's just kind of weird yeah sorry it, it does portray a certain amount of personal anxiety yeah uh, he's petting which, it now you know, like a which cat kind of goes his own <laughs> his thing uh, but ultimately I don't know because this episode is so boring I find it difficult to really engage with it yeah um, it's very like sitcom-y the one thing that that's kind of interesting is that we get some insight not only into Picard's past but the man himself both from yes, yes, the yes. things that he did in his past and when the old flame shows up uh, how she kind of characterizes him. Like, it almost it seems as if when they're alone together for the first time, they pick up, like, right up, right where they left off. Also, this is bullshit right here. I'm so mad. Um, <laughs> it's not as worse as, like, another scene, but she, like, oh, by the way, you need to worry about emotions clouding your judgment. Like, oh, really? They didn't have a whole um, subject about this in Officer Candidate School. Jeez, I'm so glad you're here, Troy. <laughs> And this is another thing Troy does habitually. Not, not to get on your train, yeah, but just yeah. to take it from to the next stop. Right. Um, they have her say things about characters instead of developing those characters. Right. So she's like, it's hard for you to deal with deep-seated emotional issues. Yeah. Which I guess is unique to Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, so, <laughs> like, it's, it's a little bit of something else, about your character. Yeah, everyone else has uh, with emotion. As well, right. which we could show, but we're just going to have Troy tell you. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, it's not the way you use her for this stuff. Right, yeah. I mean, so anyway, like, kind of like... Yeah, 
he goes back to take care of his his. Sword. Yeah, I, I do kind of like um, that. Um, I I don't know exactly like what what like, like what he's wiping off of. I guess he's polishing it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do like that as well. I mean, but just on Troy, just proper for, equipment maintenance is a vital part. It of character is, development. and it also kind of shows you uh, like how disciplined a character is. Like if a character. Mm. Um, takes the extra time to like look nice or arrange the, uh, their area or maintain their equipment then you show that they they've ingrained discipline as part of their core uh, personality yeah um but like and, one thing about troy is like you know they kind of give her like this kind of role of like psychologist plus which is really just yeah. like psychologist with a whole bunch of vague things and she should really be like an emotional like special forces agent like you know, like like when like someone, um, you know, like uh, imagine like some sort of agent that's making everybody on the ship just crazy, and she's like diffusing situations left and right. It's like, oh, um, I got him away from the weapons because he's a deep seated fear of spiders. You know, like you know, like that kind of stuff because like, she just knows things. Like that scene in Equilibrium where like he throws out the clips halfway down the hallway, right? Because he knows by the time he murders his way down that hallway, he's going to need those clips right there. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and it's he like, just you gets can, him and he keeps going. You can kind if of. If you could call her shots like that in a conversation, oh, yeah. it would be really cool. Yeah, like even, if, and this is the other thing, even Wesley does it. Like Wesley, in that, like that offer, officer, like, I want to be a Starfleet guy um, episode, yeah. you know, they, they bring him this alien and he, like, knows how to interact with them just from happenstance. Um, yeah. You know, like just he happens to know that thing and he diffuses the situation. That's the kind of future Earth. Yeah, I know, right? That's the kind of thing that Troy should be doing all the time. Yeah. I um I do want to mention that uh one, civilian fashion in the future is freaking awful. Yeah. Always. Oh yeah. Uh two, it's appropriately futuristic though. Yeah, it's kinda like um, I, I, <laughs> there there's that smile. You see Netflix? Uh I thought I thought that smile was like important. For something, but it sure wasn't. They just like grabbed the weirdest scene they could for that card. Anyway, they did. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the one thing that kind of this holodeck kind of uh, scene not so much taught me, but like brought to my mind is it doesn't seem like they go to Earth a lot. Like even now, mm-hmm. like this is like twenty two years in the past. They don't like go to present day Earth. It seems they do not. Um, okay, I do. I do want to make a quick aside. When I watched this as a kid, I didn't think about it. Yeah. And then, when I watched this as a, as a teenager in my 20s, yeah. I thought, oh, it's ridiculous. How do you have, like, such detailed pictures of, like, a random cafe in Paris? Right. Do they have cameras everywhere in the <laughs> And Little then everyone you... just uploads it to something? Little like, did it's you ridiculous. Know. You couldn't take a picture of every square inch of Earth all the time. Yeah. And now it's 2017. What? Yeah, yeah. What would you do? Just have this big global holograph of Earth that you could traverse at any time you wanted? That's ridiculous. Anytime, any place. Yeah. Then Google <laughs> Provided Earth. Provided by Google. Google Earth is like, I got so, you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like uh, how, and like, really, you could extrapolate it. I like detail. how this fashion of her top is like, well, what do we want? It's like, well, I want a tube top. But you know, sometimes two tops like like they they sag. I want the fashion to be basically wearing it properly on one side and sagging on the other. Oh, that's perfect. It's so weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Uh, so, 
And, you know, I think this is pretty interesting using... They're actually using the holodeck for something, by the way. Yeah, no, it, it's, just... it's a tool. Like, it's it's something that isn't just entertainment. Yeah. Like, they're using it as a tool, which is nice. You know, I yeah. think that uh, the only time we've seen that, once again, was uh, a Wesley's, like, episode, right? Where, like, oh. he was trained and stuff. Yeah, he was trying to use it to prepare himself for the... Not void comp. The psych, the psych test, yeah. Yeah. Um, Troy uses it to, like, throw a guy around in Code of Honor, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, Picard's actually using it to work through stuff, right. which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no. So, um... It makes you wonder yeah. if, like, they were all trying to help him, or if they were just kind of, like, reading off of him, like... Yeah. Did he... Did he yeah, he's having... He had, like, that very piece, right? in-depth conversation that was just surprisingly useful from, like, a, a, a holodeck avatar. yeah. Yeah, that was crazy stuff. <laughs> but I'll notice he didn't fall in love with anyone in the holodeck, Riker. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. In in like record time, like less than five minutes. You just hey, this is Star Trek: The Next Generation. We got fart jokes. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what this was. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Uh, I was wondering what what body function he was talking about. Although um, the brass balls and Picard to go into the. Uh, holodeck when we have like some sort of um temporal anomaly afoot i mean that was just a recipe for um the holodeck malfunctioning wasn't it <laughs> you're right <laughs> uh, i was like oh cool doesn't you can't, you he can't. gives it a glower <laughs> as he walks into the holodeck yeah and then like every time uh every time that like he tries to exit the holodeck it just like resets like that could have totally been this episode <laughs> yeah it would have been a great one so anyway now we have some stupid chase thing which you know we talk about how long it takes to get into an episode sometimes and this one takes forever which is good because there's nothing in this episode i mean i don't understand why like the minute he didn't come out of the holodeck like they were like talking to fucking Mannheim. like i don't this everything since he's come out has done nothing for me like it hasn't even built any tension it's just like hey look there's this stuff going on yeah, he's apparently really interested in security. <laughs> um, I guess. Yeah, and Which, also you know, recorded messages that could have been anywhere. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, it's goofy. You know, eccentric Starfleet scientists are totally a thing. Because eccentric Federation scientists. Yeah. Because think about it. He he's working through issues in the holodeck. He comes here and then he's actually talking to the chick. Like that would yeah. keep the emotional tension up. I do like how yeah, they, they look at each other like, he just messed up a bit, didn't he? Like, now nah, you're here and thinking, yeah. bro. <laughs> it's okay, Picard. You can fix it in post. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Personal experience. Help me, Picard. You're my only... <laughs> so here... Well done. Like, they got, like, the distress signal, right? Yeah. And now they just happen to get here the exact moment this guy goes into convulsions. So that's convenient. Well, how do you know? Maybe he's been going into convulsions for weeks. <laughs> hasn't eaten, hasn't slept, hasn't, you know, even properly defecated himself. he's just full of shit and piss (laughs) she's like look I'm gonna move you to the coffee table and I'm I'm gonna watch my story yeah yeah you just convulse where however you feel yeah I'm sure she changes it I do like how adult um, diapers in the future (laughs) I do kind of like how he's like uh, treating this as kind of a a very tense situation but they're like we're just like being a border dude man it's fine and like how he caught himself, like he was, I'm about to go do this alone because um, old flame, but then wait, no, protocol, I guess, states that I have to have two assistants on it. That's good. I didn't catch that. It's, um, it's a pretty good 
Who knew that like um, uh, MC Hammer was like ahead of his time as far as fashion goes? Oh yeah, <laughs> look, at those, look at those pants. <laughs> so this is probably one reason we don't see much of Federation politics, culture, or media because, wow, everything about these clothes. I mean, she she's gone full Scarlett O'Hara yeah, with the yeah. drapes. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. that's and and they're all the same pattern. Like I feel like is that is that a fashion? I feel like there's no fashion where like. Um, it's all one pattern. Yeah, that's bad. Look at the cut. Look at the different the different of her top, and that's loose, and then around the waist, it's tight. And she got those boots. <laughs> They're all like looking um, like uh, uh, I don't understand. I don't know if it, if they, if Data would have done that, but I guess so. She got. Um, I'm always amazed at the conditions in which women are made up on television, not yeah. just Star Trek. But yeah, yeah, for sure. At first, I thought okay. you said my best officer. I'm like, damn, Picard. Oh, apparently, <laughs> androids don't get handshakes? What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, you're green. I don't shake hands with greenies. <laughs> yeah. It's not racist. It's just a thing I have. It's not racist. So, is she like a scientist or is she just like a housewife because she didn't know about the energy shield? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's she, a great she question. She seems competent enough. I mean, yeah, like, what does she do? You know, because you, I get the impression that it's like some kind of outpost, and like all they do is science all the time. So you expect her to be a nerd of some kind, but she doesn't really so the, exhibit that at all. Yeah, she's she like, doesn't have to. I mean, you, you could be, you could. She's she's scientist Barbieing it up. That's that's fine. Um, but like the the second lab, everyone f- died. Everyone f- died. Yeah. Therefore, saving our budget. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, eh, we're pretty close. We're just gonna keep going. It's fine. Send out some letters. I've automated their jobs anyway. <laughs> they were brilliant minds, but not really. <laughs> I replaced them with Here's a, here's replaced a them with I'm going to write some script and just send it to all their families. According <laughs> to Nexus. It's mm-hmm. like, um, I've, uh, I've sent all of their families, uh, all the Nexus can, you know, remorseful letters. But on the bright side, uh, I, I've also let them know that I've replaced them with robots so my research can continue. <laughs> I um I don't know I don't know we we did this in I think possibly my least favorite Star Trek the original series episode um not Turnabout Intruder the one with goddamn Lazarus oh with like um, the dimensions with the like yeah you find him yes. like all uh bedraggled on space and he's like no other dimensions you don't you see and no one believes the alternative him. factor that piece yeah of shit. yeah. So, where, like, it's a big thing that's affecting space. Like, I'm glad it's not affecting all space. Yeah, everywhere. just the space where the Enterprise is. <laughs> but, like, it's a time machine that affects, like, an entire sector. I do, uh, like, I don't know if we pass it up or if it's about to happen, but Worf does say, like, oh, we're getting reports from other ships that they, did. yeah, because they did the hiccup thing. Yeah. And um, I do, that is kind of a little bit of characterization. Like, hey, look, it's not just Enterprise. And so you yeah. kind of get a sense of like this effect when they say it's light years out. Um, it that that lands a little bit. It doesn't land yeah. hard, but it lands some. So yeah, like landing. it's a big thing. So there are stakes for time. Right. I kind of get that. Um. <laughs> I mean, I kind of would like it if like maybe like some like like people this were is supposed to be awkward and it's just <laughs> tedious. For people, yeah. All Picard Crusher is tedious. 
Yeah, no, this like I'm. There's one episode, and I'll, I will definitely jump on it when it happens. But yeah, I don't. I don't Why see how. Good life lesson from Picard: nothing ever works out quite as you hope. Right, right. You know, and you know the the thing that kind of really gets me is that I don't see Crusher like standing in a doorway here. Like she's a doctor, not only just a doctor, she like leads other doctors. She doesn't give a crap about all this other stuff. Crusher's like, okay, look, you guys can f on my table. Yeah. We'll get out of my goddamn seat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who the hell you think you are, uh, Mr. Riker? I will sedate you and remove you. <laughs> You'll be fine. Riker's like, actually, can I have a moment? The tension healer's, oh, goddamn it. <laughs> Here's my data pad. Go to the ready room until you cool off. Nobody cares, Riker. <laughs> get away. <laughs> No one cares. She doesn't have to explain <laughs> it to you and him. You're in the same room. Go away, Will. <laughs> we all feel about you the same way your father does. <laughs> we want to do what Crusher just did. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like Data is that he can, like, pick up on things without having them directly explained to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Will is like, he's like uh, she can just be talking to Picard. He's like, I didn't get that. Can you look at me and say it? <laughs> Like, no, Riker, we don't have to look at you and say it. <laughs> so I do kind of like this scene, even though I find the whole, like, time travel thing tedious and, like, pointless and who gives a crap. And the fact, look at um, look at Data here. He has his mouth open as if he's surprised, but he's ex, ex, he's declared expendable later in this episode because he doesn't get surprised during time things. Look, he's surprised yeah. here, too. Hmm? Um, I mean, I, I just don't, you know, I, I mean, it's fine, but if you're going to tell us that he can do one thing, make sure he does it, he exists throughout the episode, consistent. I, I kind of like the science thing that they're doing. Yeah, no, right? I, I like and they're kind shifts, of diagnosing it a little bit. Yeah, the, well, the POV of the first set, and then it goes back and we're with, this, we're with the the second set of guys, right? Yeah. And they're a, little, they're a little worried about how they enter here and perspective and time is so fluid. I think that entire exchange um, shows that pretty well, but there's just no underpinning. It's just space magic. Well, another thing I'd like um, to I'd like to point out too, and I think it's good, is that they jumped with the same characters from the elevator to this office. So you definitely yeah. got a sense of like, wait, what just happened in the intervening time? Like it was kind mm -hmm. of disordering for the audience as well. And I, I felt that it, it kind of characterized the time, um, I guess, I don't know if you want to say catastrophe, the Mannheim effect. It characterized the Mannheim effect a little bit better, I felt. Um, I find this episode so boring that I find it difficult to really engage with. <laughs> but it would have been great if there was another person in this room to freshen that up. Because now that you mention it, I actually don't like it. Because <laughs> they broke and they had a whole new thing. But it's, a yeah. whole, it's the same people still talking. It's like in... Um, uh, the Cleon episode where the Cleons and Worf are walking around basically doing one oh, yeah, walking yeah. talk and then we have, we cut a few scenes between that but it's still basically just one scene in different settings right uh, and I would have liked it if Worf was in there or yeah, just Troy or something yeah Troy was in there Troy would be great for that since this is allegedly a, an emotional episode yeah um so anyway, apparently there was some young scientist that yeah, up. more the, um, more boldness from the crew using the teleporter while there's a time thing. Man, Get yourself caught in a loop. Transporters are pretty reliable. So, uh, we've seen some transporter incidents in the original series. I know that. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Transport does all sorts of weird. <laughs> so it's a little more reliable here in the next chapter. Oh, okay. So. It's, uh, it's not spitting out time clones. <laughs> but it could. It could. It could. <laughs> or they it just, did they patch the time clone bug? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we totally fixed I it. do like how they... Uh, and uh, Worf Deads were two yeah, for two. Yeah. Well, everyone's thinking <laughs> about a Worf. Ah, uh, psych, I got him. I got him, you guys. Just a little, <laughs> little humor we play in the teleporter room. It's no big deal. Transporter room. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this dude? I feel like I, I like he reminds me of Christopher Lloyd. I know he's not Christopher Lloyd, but I feel like he's has the angular features that he's played like some wide-eyed scientist somewhere before. I'm I'm actually just super angry that that other guy isn't silver-haired nurse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. She has been putting in all of the work. Yeah. <laughs> So you have one head. scene, you have one episode in which she's referred to gets to hand things to Crusher, yeah. and they get some random guy. Some random. Well, maybe she's like on vacation. You know? Maybe she, or she finally took that. She was five days till retirement. She actually retired. Look, silver-haired actresses don't get to have, don't retire. Okay, they die. Yeah, they fade away. I got it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying this was this could have been her big break. She could have handed that tricorder off with like. Seasoning and experience, yeah, yeah. And calm determination that Ricky in the background here doesn't have. Yeah, baby face Ricky. Um, I this is kind of interesting that they went this way, like just narrative to kind of characterize this. I know that okay, yeah, you have budget, fine, but you could have done like she could have read something in his mind. It's like weird, is it seems like his neurons are in a superposition, which they probably didn't know about superpositions back in, then, but still. It would have been interesting if not only through his dialogue, but also some medical equipment, we could have diagnosed that, oh, he's experiencing two realities at once. Yeah, I mean, literally anything to make Crusher useful. Yeah. I just think it would be funny. It's like, uh, like, so Dr. Crusher, is he really experiencing uh, other realities? And she's like, "Um, can I talk to you for a moment? And then like, you know, it's like, you know, what's the nature? You know, how's he doing it? And then Crusher says, he's high as f***. (laughs) <laughs> he's just super hot <laughs> I, he's on those time crystals yeah 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 we, there, there's actually no problems um, apparently your old flame just exudes some sort of uh, narcotic for light years and that's why we all felt as if there was a time loop <laughs> I thought he petitioned the Federation Science Council <laughs> to uh, to fund a research project and just use it to make time math. Are you giving? Are you telling? Is that a Stellaris joke? I feel like that could have been a Stellaris no, joke. No, it's not. <laughs> so um, I just assume every. I assume all of these scientists at some point for their special projects go in front of Federation Council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. Committees. I'm sorry, committees. And like, look, here's my thing. And then like, they're all flamboyant, type <laughs> A personalities oh, yeah, who are yeah. incredible. All of them, and all of them in, in Star Trek. Uh, they're all rock stars, which is one of the things I like to imagine about the the culture of the Federation uh-huh. is that all of their scientists are rock stars. Like they're on the cover of like magazine <laughs> and shit, yeah. and they're just like, "Are you having oh. trouble making your uh, shortly lived isotopes? Well, check out uh, you know Robert Stack's uh, new dope method for synthesizing isotopes on page thirty seven. The twenty three fourteen May episode is Noonie and Sue on the front. I'll make androids within five years. <laughs> and he's just like, 
And you laugh. Like you five laugh. years later, it's like, where is Doctor Soon? It's like a, a silhouette of him. You laugh, but uh, you know our Silicon Valley is just that stupid. So, like our real life Silicon. I'm not talking about the HBO show. The real life Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, but you know, like everyone's into it. Like there are sports in the future. There yeah, are like, scientists yeah. <laughs> and stuff. And like, dude, did you read that white paper by? Alan Scott, so dope. <laughs> It'd be like, let's, I mean, like Dr. Mannheim goes to freaking Des Moines and he's like, woo, I'm, I have to make a presentation to the Federation Under Science Committee of Time and Bullshit next week. <laughs> time and Bullshit. Right. <laughs> I, now I want to make Write your representative to help me get the most funding that I can. Woohoo. See, if I had, if I had, like, if I was a rich dude, like independently wealthy, I would straight up create a journal, a scientific journal. That's just called time and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it would uh, like physicists would get paid like way more than they do in any other journals for articles, but they just mm. have to deal with the fact that the name of the journal is time and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting, do, right? We get like a, I do like this interaction. <laughs> it, oh, it's good. You know, you have a woman who's. Um, you know, they've been painting this whole big picture of like, oh, yeah, you know, the woman's, you know, like Picard, like messed up. You know, this woman's going to be mad and whatever. But she's yeah. not. She's She dealt with it healthily. She's engaging with him in kind of a way that's independent and still kind of shows her own character. And also she kind of calls him out on a little bit of his bullshit. She's like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, uh, um, you're going to give us the truth, you know, now? I thought I was just going to be yeah. like a... You know, you, you got the wrong day or something, you know? And it's like, of course I know, you know. Yeah, I kind so. of like it that it plays in the kind of an original sin from Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. He did something and he's seasoned and experienced himself. And it says, hey, look, I've, I've screwed up before. And he completely owns it. He yeah. says, you know, I'm a flawed human. I was. And I've become better about it. See, this is my, my favorite thing that he says in this bit of dialogue is that he says he had two choices. Like, yeah. Fear that neither of these choices was right and that either would have, and he kind of trails off. Um, and like in my mind, uh, like she kind of says like, oh, you just were afraid of being normal. But anyway. Um, yeah. And that's, it's an interesting thing about Jean. It just, well, but like, it, characters in television are supposed to be extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, we're supposed to relate with them. Right. Right. Um, and then I'm going to say two words at random, American exceptionalism. <laughs> and then I thought, um, and then back but Picard to the... kind of acknowledges that and says, yeah. "My self-image of being larger than life was more important than that." Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, what I think is interesting is that I feel as if this does happen in people's lives, like people who genuinely put forth the effort to grow. Because there are people who just like coast until they die, and that's fine. Whatever, if that's what you want to do. But there's some people who are like, you know what? I want to grow myself as a person. I want to be a better person than I showed up as, and. When you do that, I feel you inevitably come to decisions like Picard's talking about, where you have to give something up and go down one path. And some people yeah. stay. Some people have been trying to do it, but stay at that fork uh, in the road for way too long. Um, and, and I am speaking a little bit about myself. But anyway. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. I totally get that. Um, the. It's just interesting that Picard would have this sort of turmoil, and he's a fine character for it. Um, we actually get some. Like I don't need. Oh, sorry, I, I have a. I have a. I bitch about Picard being so front and center on the show, and I always try to find another character that could do the things right. Patrick Stewart's doing. But I, 
I have a hard time imagining anyone else. Oh yeah, no, I don't think so. But I mean, maybe the... Beverly, maybe Beverly. Yeah, yeah, she could. Because been. then she actually she actually has to treat Mannheim, right? Yeah. So Look she, at this she... uh, effing scene right here. <laughs> so Troy comes up and's like, "Yeah, Beverly, I see you're doing work, but." Picard's old flame, huh? <laughs> like, why doesn't Beverly just slap the crap out of shit? Get out of my office. I'm working to diagnose my patient, unless you have something important to tell me. <laughs> like, you know, I'd never thought about it before. I was I always, so mad. I kinda, oh, man. I, again, I had not engaged. I find this episode so boring that I had not engaged. I well, it, it's just like she's a doctor, so, and she's like the head of doctors. She's doing yeah, right. her job. You're absolutely right. Like, golly. Like, in, it just seems like. Like, it, this isn't even, like, Troy trying to help out. This is, like, her being a bitch in some passive-aggressive way. Like, I know. <laughs> I, do, like, I do love that line we talked over it where she says, I have uh, a genius dying in my, my sickbed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she has to, ex- and, then, and then, I don't know if you got this, she had to explain to the empath what she meant by the ghost of his old flame. Because she's like, no, she's here right now. Like, no, idiot. <laughs> I'm talking about his past. <laughs> you should know that. You're an empath. That's great. And the thing is, they talk about that relationship. It's like, oh, but he sees what's in the past. I'm like, okay, well, that's a conflict that needs to be resolved, right? Like, he's dealing with her wrong. Crusher can see it because she knows Picard so well. Uh, and then Picard needs to adjust, see her correctly, and then resolve it. Nope, we're going to forget about that. Yeah. Okay, just put it in a little boat <laughs> and kick it to lab two where it can yep. die with everyone else. <laughs> right. Um... And so, uh, I don't, uh, I do and Here we have a bullshit exposition scene rivaling that of the Travelers, yes. where no one has gone before. <laughs> yeah. So much bullshit science. And so, this is another thing that kind of bothered me, because it, it's essentially, it's inherently misogynistic. Like, hey, listen, I feel like I'm about to die, one man to another, can you take care of my wife? Like, no, how about motherfucker? she takes care of herself? You ever think of that? <laughs> like, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Picard's like, this is a post-scarcity utopia, so... Yeah. She, I think she necessary. can... Yeah. We don't even have to do the things we do. We do them for fun. <laughs> we can did, sit in a chair and push buttons. the Orion Syndicate? Like, <laughs> <laughs> there something I yeah, it's like there's some kind of assassins after her. Like, what do you mean take care of her? Or, or wait, do you mean, like, take her out? Oh... <laughs> 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 uh, uh, 20, I'm building 20, a pyramid for color. 20, uh, <laughs> 20 beige in the bullet points if you got that reference. <laughs> yeah. uh, if she, if she be, lives past me, I'll never be accepted into the afterlife. <laughs> they have rules. Take her out rules. to ensure that I can cross the river and, <laughs> and meet the god pharaoh in the gates beyond. Yeah. Anyway. And there he goes. So yeah, this guy's pointless. Yeah. He, you know, to answer your question, he was, I think, King Zed and the Beastmaster, and he was Sigmund Freud and Dylan Ted's excellent I think adventure. that's what it was, Beastmaster. I think Beastmaster uh, wow. was the thing. That's a that's a good memory. If good. you at home could clap for Derek, for that, <laughs> that's exceptional. Wow. You remember something about the Beastmaster that isn't that guy and how he was in other movies that were terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, I, I talked over this and I wanted to kind of point it out that how, like, and I'm glad that they pointed out because the minute Picard was like, listen, there's going to be an away mission of one. And, like, Data's like, yeah, no, I get indispensable. You hate androids. It's fine. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah. no, actually, Data, um, you handle these time dilations better than everyone else. It's like, really? Because I was surprised in the elevator when you were. 
Yeah, well, again, Data's a superhuman who can fix everything. Right. I do like all the turns of phrases, the cl- the turns of cliches. Yeah, I should yeah. Say. The stitch in time um, is, is very. It's a very bad pun that gets not noticed appropriately. <laughs> well, well, Derek was uh, not Derek. Data was specifically talking about phrases about the subjectivity uh, of time. Yeah, I know. I know it was relevant. I'm just saying that it's important that the pun does not get noticed in any comedic sense. <laughs> so ironic that they were standing just outside the transporter room, and then Data walks away. To the transporter room. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, man, it's time, um, it's time dilations, man. <laughs> yeah, time dilations, Space and bro. time. You don't know. So here's Data being Superman again because he can do stuff. One of the one of the things I do like about Data action sequences is, and I'm sure, I don't know if this was like Brent Spiner or if this was like every director just kind of knew, but I like how he always is kind of nonplus. Like anytime he... Yeah. He fires his phaser or like he's dodging or something. He keeps like a straight face. Like the only thing yeah. you ever saw right there was just his eyebrows go up. Whoa. Okay. One full credit to Brent Spiner stunt double. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That was yeah. a good. Yeah. Of course. Props to stunt double. So I know. Brent, he, I thought right there that laser. I thought that laser got it because <laughs> like, it like <laughs> shot behind while he was rolling. I'm like, oh wait, is Brent Spiner yeah. like is he down? Is Data down? That is great that his stunt double rolled past and Spiner popped out from behind the corner. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It's hilarious. Well, I mean, once you think about it, I guess. Yeah. Where it's like two people just doing doing shtick. Anyway. I thought this was also kind of good, too. Um, it characterizes kind of the 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 station is not operating as normal because the door doesn't open all the way. Yeah. I, um, I do like that Data's running a dungeon solo here. Oh, yeah, Thomas. yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, he is going to get all these fat loots, you know, for himself. Yeah, no, he's got tons of XP. <laughs> I mean, granted, for a character's over for a species as overpowered as his, I, I think there's an XP reduction or something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's just a balancing. It's totally OP. So, <laughs> um, he does do the scrunchy face when he shoots, though. He gets it's kind of an angry face. I don't think so. I didn't see the angry face. Right. I looked at it. You know, I've seen it four times now paying attention to it i didn't see anything that looked angry to me but maybe it, maybe i just i didn't notice no. it maybe it was subtle so that's that's you watching it now and then you having watched it in the past the present and the past. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. there you go so i mean it's, it's um, weird think... that they call out like hey this channel's gonna be open like yeah it was already open but yeah i mean as a smart android i'm sure data figured that out yeah i um... i don't necessarily get this how he's like how does this work? Oh, this must be the handle, and the handle goes here. Like he's about to do it. Like, oh look, this this is a handle. <laughs> like, come on, man. I kind of like, like, like this technical antimatter covering thing. It 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 works as a set of props and a concept. Yeah, I just um, like it, it. Just takes him way too long to work out what this does. Like the minute I saw the handle, I knew exactly what it all does. I even knew yeah. that was going to close. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, naturally. The thing I like this effect, by the way, the, the simple crystal effect of the time MacGuffin. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, yeah, I guess technically the antimatter would be the MacGuffin, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I was kind of, I was kind of weird out that like they did the antimatter, like that's going to be the patch. Because I mean, like, if you're going to say there is a, a hole in time, you're just gonna, essentially it's like, oh, let's let's throw a matter bomb into like this hole and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, I do like this though. How do you see the past, present, uh, past, present, and future, and they try to figure out who's who? Yeah. I. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, right. And, I, I, you know, they're blowing it up, but they're blowing it up with a certain amount of style and deduction and yeah. cleverness, right? I, like, I, I was like, wondering if, like, he was wrong. Like, he's like, it's me. And it's like, no, like, if they would have, like, an argument, like, no, you're not the real data, I'm the real data. And they're really arguing about which one gets to stay alive and the other two just get okay. annihilated. By the way, to release antimatter, you do not need to open the little hatch on the bottom. Just turn it off. The antimatter will release itself. That's how antimatter works. Yeah. It's, uh, the thing that you've enclosed the antimatter in is, surprise, matter. Weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, because of the 1988 writer strike, I think you get more super data. And so that becomes ingrained in the history of the show. Oh, man. Um, and it becomes a thing, much to my personal chagrin. Yeah, I kind of so. I kind of would have liked Data to also, like, develop, maybe not so much powers, but techniques of using an android body that even he didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe someone gets... The teleporter's not working, but Data can actually... Hold someone's personality in his memory if he goes unconscious, you know, or something like that. Like in the memory banks, this dude's just oh, yeah. coming off of his high and still crazy, insane. <laughs> yeah, I. It's like, listen, it's, it, they, they're alive, but not like this, not like here with just filthy matter everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've learned nothing and we'll repeat our mistakes. Yeah, uh, Picard has basically given out the the fruit basket of apology to this lady yeah there were no conflicts here so nothing's been resolved uh the we can roll credits in, in, in all fairness though we are more. planting the seeds for like a cthulhu like monster to like ravage this galaxy <laughs> um yeah. just because he's like he has all of the markings of like a mad scientist that's about to do something universe ending uh and no one's gonna rein him in <laughs> Yeah, well, like Will Riker, that seed's going to be a long time coming, <laughs> so don't count on that. All right, that's fair. Don't count on that happening. So thankfully, we're going to forget about this episode just as soon as possible. Yeah. In fact, what am I doing right now? Why are, not, why are I not watching credits? Are we recording this week? Well, no, because we have to have like some elaborate uh, farewell because, um, you know, we obviously she has... Um, been worried about this for years even though the first time we had a conversation with her she was very mature and independent uh throughout the whole thing but god god we really don't Derek. Derek, <laughs> we can look at the title card for conspiracy right now yeah. we, can get <laughs> we can do it oh look troy because come we on. need troy for reasons come on do it look at the picture Derek. <laughs> read the synopsis I and am looking skip this at the whole picture, final scene. Right? This is present. We, the, my we can do anything we want, Derek. <laughs> we're, the, we're the ones. We're the ones that, that are the writers of the universe. It's our time now, Derek. It's our time down here. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be kind of uh, funny if, like, she shows uh, up and then, like, uh, the girl that fine. like he had this conversation with, like, at the very beginning. Like, tries to kind of, like, butt in. It's like, excuse me. <laughs> like, I'm trying to have a moment here, and you're ruining it. You know, people say that Deanna's useless, but here she is being a model wing woman. Yeah, yeah. She's got your back, bro. Okay, so this is another thing that I was kind of interested by. Like, how does she not know what a holodeck is? I thought this was, like, computers, basically. Like, uh, is a holodeck, holodeck is more like, like a Disney world? <laughs> Holodecks are, there's differing levels, and this one's state-of-the-art. So, Even though we've never also, seen really anything that differentiates one holodeck from another. Exactly. And we never will. So, <laughs> <Okay>. anyway, <laughs> Q 
can we talk about something that's ridiculous? And that's the cappuccino machine behind them. They have a cappuccino. Uh, there's no need for a cappuccino machine to be that big in the future. Yeah, no, especially when you have replicators that are basically the size of like a cube, just like a little cube. Exactly. That can make literally anything. <laughs> they well, people on Earth are really big into artisanal bullshit. Yeah, no, so, well, I mean, people now are big into artisanal bullshit. No, so. no, no, you don't understand. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, ridiculous coffee cups. Sir, you call those coffee we cups make, we make not our, silver or styrofoam. They're bullshit. We make they our are. They're ceramic bullshit. <laughs> What's this? Ceramic cups? Throws it against the trash. I need styrofoam cups like the original series, stat. Only one is acceptable. <laughs> this is true. No substitutes. Are you mad that he's not drinking a champagne out of a styrofoam cup? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just champagne. It's completely different. <laughs> and I would, of course, completely expect him to serve champagne in a French cafe. Yeah, yeah lady, you should probably should have started walking before that shot started, but yeah. whatever works for you, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm standing doing nothing. Oh, I better go walk and do nothing. <laughs> All right, later. You know, you know why you don't make it? In, you know why you didn't make it in Hollywood, lady? Because you need the director to wave his hands at you like, and go, start go, moving go. after he says action. Yeah. I do like, like how... Did like, he say action or faction? <laughs> I like how Jordy and uh, Data like, are looking over their shoulders like... The way kids, like, is dad all right? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Mom and him had a really big fight. I love that, that Troy knows immense, immense. Yeah, she's like, yeah, no, Anyway, I, I, the Blue Parrot Cafe is also a Casablanca reference, just oh, like the it? title of this episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Writer's Strike of 1988, Derek. That's why. <laughs> That's why. Apparently, this is where we learn that even people who are given a shot to be real writers are not good writers. Yeah, I don't, I'll be honest. I've looked into this for like 20 whole seconds. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know how they actually wrote episodes without writers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, looking at season two, which the strike stretches on to season two. Oh, wow. I'm not sure that they did, actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we'll learn that shortly. Yep. I think we've got two episodes left of season one. Would you like yeah. to talk about conspiracy? All right. So conspiracy is interesting. Um, we're, we've, we've kind of had this little spot where we had these two cards that were just really confusing to me, but we passed that. And now we're <laughs> back to um, Picard and some kind of like... I want to say underground. He's a <laughs> what? He's a Bolian. A Bolian? No, it's Picard. Picard's totally in there. Okay, but in the foreground, oh. it's a Bolian. Oh, okay. Oh, good to it's know. It's a guy from Bolus. So uh, Picard is like in some sort of like underground cave thing that mm-hmm. it, that may or may not be in Red Alert, <laughs> and he's <laughs> he's talking to like a Bolian, as you pointed out, um, yeah. and the title is Conspiracy. This is what we get from Netflix. Uh, after diverting to a secret meeting with an old friend and some of Starfleet's finest commanders, Captain Picard finds the USS Horatio destroyed. Oh, is this like the continuation of like that? Uh, I can't remember which one it was. Where like his old buddy, that's like an admiral, is like, "Look, dude, I need you to be an admiral. Why? Don't ask questions." You know, and then like Ghost proceeds to like test him, like because like because conspiracy things. Like, is that is this the conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> two things okay. one you were absolutely correct nice two what the fuck t- what the fuck Netflix summary you spoiled it <laughs> yeah yeah no it does that's pretty on, the, it's pretty just, on the nose <laughs> when you're at the Horatio next week pretend that it's not gonna get destroyed <laughs> understood what? come on you guys it's so good not y- not spoiling Yara's death what the hell Netflix yeah I know and also that bullying's pointing a phaser at him Oh, oh, that's I thought it was like a chair or something. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> well, like, doesn't it Starfleet look... captains 
strangely enough, do fight according to WWE rules. But... <laughs> <laughs> is there like this long procession where it's like I'm gonna tase him and it's gonna be full lethal <laughs> <laughs> I just it's the bylaws of the federation were built on the post-apocalyptic world of earth after world of, and just it's it's one of those old laws yeah, no, you know just, like the thing they about never got around to like rewriting <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. It's, it's just you know little observed but it can be invoked yeah um, I mean, look, there's always, like, weird traditional fighting with species of other races, according to their culture. Okay. And occasionally, a Bolian's got to pick up a steel chair. Uh, <laughs> um, steel chair. Yeah. All right, I totally mixed up folding chair and steel cages. But anyway. Yeah, 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 no worries. Um, All right, I'll... Jason Moma is, is a captain. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah, yeah, no. So, uh... Oh, no, no, we have to talk about what you anticipate from that episode. Um, well, uh, I will fakely anticipate the Horatio not being destroyed. Me too. Um, and other than that, I'm kind of, I'm interested to see, like, what is the nature of this conspiracy? Like, you know, he, he kind of foreshadowed, like, hey, man, thing, it goes all the way up to the top. You sure you're not crazy? Totally not crazy. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, just checking. I gotta ask, mm-hmm. you know, um... And so I'm interested to like. What, are you saying that Bolian with a phaser is somehow paranoid? Well, no. I was thought maybe it's the racist. Bolian was actually like uh, in like some sort of human suit. <laughs> just, <laughs> he's like, oh, we're taking over Federation. We're the Bolians from Bolus. Mm. Fair got. enough. <laughs> we will find out if the Bolians will take over the Federation next week. Right. And until then, remember mm-hmm. Rand. Hey, I'll make this less than 60 seconds because no one likes credits. Star Trek is owned by CBS Television Studios and Paramount Pictures. We're watching this on Netflix streaming, talking over Skype, and recording our conversation with Alamoto Call Recorder. All editing is done with Audacity, the free audio editor and recorder, and our files are hosted on vanvelding.com. With DreamPress hosting, run with WordPress. Thank you, and remember,